0: but one of the ways a lot of people like to see it, which is through the lens of a camera. And Jamie, as an outdoors photographer, I'm sure this is something you probably know a thing or two about here. You know what, Jim, it's funny because while I, it's something that
1: I do professionally, it's actually a pretty new skill to me. I was trained as a photojournalist, um, but that's a job that doesn't generally send people out into the woods or up the sides of mountains. So over the last five years that I've been on this beat, I've really had to learn by trial and figure out on the fly how to make good photographs in nature.
0: Yeah, I mean, of course, there are so many amateur photographers out there who have digital cameras or even just their phone cameras, uh, to be honest, and are taking some really amazing pictures all the time around Oregon and here in the Northwest. And I kind of fall in between those two things a little bit. Obviously, I do some uh, kind of, outdoor stuff for work through the peak northwest video series and other related stuff but the vast majority of the time i'm outside i am out with my friends oftentimes trying to go uh, with a lighter load in my backpack maybe don't want to carry around my full dslr setup so sometimes i'll be shooting on what i would call my good camera which is you know a nice canon camera with a good lens and i'll have kind of my full setup if you will but More often than not, I'm the guy who's out there using the best camera he has at his disposal, which is my iPhone and trying to capture little moments from my trips using simply uh, the thing I always have in my pocket.
1: Smartphone cameras have become so good in recent years. At this point, they are far better than the best digital cameras we had 10 years ago. So, Technology has really made photography accessible in recent years. And with the advent of social media, it's made outdoors photography, especially really popular among just about everyone. Yeah. So because of that, I really wanted to focus today's episode on the everyday photographer, right? Like you're saying, Jim, these folks who may just be out hiking with their smartphone or maybe they want to go out there with a basic digital camera and we're looking just for a few tips on how to get some better shots out in nature.
0: Yeah, and none of this stuff is super advanced technique. This is something that anyone who, you know, is familiar with the functions of their iPhone or of their camera, Samsung phone, whatever it may be, uh, can pick up and implement when they get outside and want to take a good photo of something. So instead of just kind of pointing and shooting, if you will, we're going to raise a couple things to keep in mind uh, next time you pull out your camera in the outdoors. Yeah, Jim, the first thing that I think kind of drives my entire nature
1: photography is looking for light. I mean, when you're outside in nature, it's not like a studio, right, where you can bring your own lights. I mean, some people do that, I guess. But when I go out into nature, I'm looking at things like what's the light going to be like in the morning? Um, is it going to be cloudy that day? Because that'll give you more even light, but less uh, less color in your pictures. And then, you know, what am I trying to take a picture of and how is the light going to look on that? So, I mean, you really have to think about, like, if you're taking a picture of Mount Hood and you want there to be light on the mountain, you want to make sure to be on the right side of the mountain when the sun's going to be in that direction. So from Sandy, for example, if you're on the west side of Mount Hood and you want to be there at sunset, you know, you, then you're going to get a nice picture of that beautiful sunset light in the mountain. But if at sunset you're on the east side of the mountain, then the whole thing's going to be in silhouette. So just thinking about those those considerations about what's the light going to look like, where is it going to be, um, or even when you're out there walking through the woods, where is the light right now? What can I get a picture of while I'm here in the moment? That's really, I think, the the primary factor when taking pictures outside.
0: For sure. A a lot of, you know, a a professional photographer, someone who's going out with the intention of shooting high quality photos, they're probably going to plan their trip around the things like you said, Jamie, around hitting the light at the right time or seeking a specific vantage point they want to hit at sunrise, sunset, a golden hour uh, where the light is perfect after sunrise or before sunset, But for the vast majority of folks who are out, let's say they're on a hiking trip or they're riding their bike and they stop and they see something, they're like, ooh, that's gorgeous. I'm going to pull out my camera, my phone, whatever it may be, and take that photo. You're probably going to be more often than not dealing with light that is maybe a little bit harsh midday, or maybe leaving your subject in a silhouette. And Jamie, I'm actually curious to see how you deal with this because as the nature of your job goes, you're out all day hiking and taking photos, and you can't just simply wait around to get things in the best possible light. So how do you handle that? You know,
1: a lot of times I, I don't do a lot of planning. You know, if I want to get a specific picture, like I said, of Mount Hood in a certain light, or I want to get a waterfall with light on it instead of light behind it, then I'll make that consideration. But If I'm just going on a hike, I'll go for the time that is most convenient for me. And I'll just deal with whatever light is there. And sometimes that means that I don't get great pictures and that's okay because a lot of the time it means I get really great pictures that I didn't necessarily consider before. Yeah, um, It means that I might show up and get some cloud cover and get a great photo of a waterfall because it's a little bit darker. Um, or it might mean that I've got this beautiful blue sky against which I can take a picture of these great desert browns and the greens, of the sagebrush, and it just really pops I think there's so many different ways for a photo to come out that for me, part of the fun and excitement is just kind of rolling with the punches and going out there and enjoying it no matter what it looks like. I think one of the things that I think a lot of um, photographers and aspiring photographers can fall into is setting yourself up for, with expectations mm-hmm. of saying, I want to get this exact picture that's in my mind of this one thing that looks a certain way. And When you get out there and it's not perfect, then you can beat yourself up over it and go back with nothing. But if you show up with no expectations and just wanting to have a nice day and take a picture of whatever's there, then whatever you come out with is going to be wonderful and beautiful. And I think you can find so many more photos that way, really just showing up with curiosity and joy. To me, that's that's how I approach it anyway. I really just let nature show me where the good photos are instead of trying to force it.
0: Yep, I would say that's, probably the 98% of folks who are out there toting a camera or toting a phone or something on their hike, their bike ride, their kayak trip, whatever it may be, um, that they want to commemorate with some photos. And, of course, there are the smaller crowd of folks who go out, and you'll see them. They're the folks who are bringing tripods and bigger professional-style cameras. And they're setting out in search of a a more well-planned image uh, that they're seeking specifically or at least a time of day or a season or whatnot that they want to document a certain place in. Where for the vast majority of us, we're trying to go do whatever it is we're doing and capture a good image along the way. So one of the other just obviously basic tips that we want to cover here is the composition of the image, Jamie. So many people have heard of, say, the rule of thirds. What the heck does that actually mean? Oh yeah. This is like a a
1: classic photography composition. If you take an image and you divide it into thirds, usually it's a rectangular image, thirds going horizontal and thirds going vertical. You want to place the subject of your image along the intersections of those lines. So it's kind of like towards the corners a little bit. And that just, you know, makes your image pop a little bit more. Um, it, it, it brings the eye to the subject right there and allows room for the rest of the picture for there to be other things. When I think about composition, I like to think about, you know, like paintings, for example. You think of a painting on a wall and where your eye goes to it and what you're including in the frame of your picture. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of photographers will talk about composing in camera as opposed to composing, say, when mm-hmm. you're editing the photo on your computer. You really want to just make that picture while you're there um, and, and consider those different elements. You know, what's in the foreground? What's in the middle ground? What's in the background? Is my subject front and center? Do I have a person in the photo to show perspective? I think that's one aspect that I really want to mention too, Jim, is when you're looking at these photos of nature in particular, it can be really hard to get an idea of perspective. So you have a picture of a tree, for example, but I have no idea how big that tree is if I'm looking at it. You know, I might be trying to compare it to the size of the fern next to it, but it's really difficult to get an idea. But if you have another person with you and you can put them in the picture, then all of a sudden you can see, ah, that's a huge redwood or, you know, wow, that boulder is gigantic. I think that's a really good way to add some more depth and dimension to your pictures.
0: I mean, you and I were just talking about this actually before we started recording here was a recent photo of mine that you had seen, uh, presumably one of my social media posts. And I was out, uh, I did a, a mountain climb recently with a couple of friends and we were descending the mountain and there was this gorgeous light and some clouds rolling through and it was near kind of sunset time and everything just lined up really nicely. And I happened to be the third of three people kind of descending through this section of rock. And... By happenstance, I was in a really good position to capture the light, the clouds, the rock, and my two friends moving through that area. And because of that, I created a much more dynamic image than if I were, say, first in line, and I was like, whoa, 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 everybody hold up here. You mind if I take a photo of this landscape? There's something to be said, of course, for landscape photography, but oftentimes I find that having a person in that photo you know, a candid or whatever it may be, uh, or even a post shot does lend some perspective. That's exactly right,
1: Jim. And what I love about this photo that you're explaining, we can put this um in the, the show notes here as well. You, what you see is you see these other two hikers with you. They pull you into the picture and they take you through this side of this mountain. It's kind of this wonderful, craggy, jagged mountain. So there's so many really interesting things to look at here. But the whole composition of it, as you have it, it really pulls you into it. And that's really what I like to do with photos. And I love photos that just bring you right into it. Because when you're looking at nature in particular, you want to be there. And you want to imagine yourself there. And having other people there, especially if you're from behind them, it really brings you into that shot and makes you think like, wow, you know, what does it feel like to be there? And you can imagine yourself there on the side of the mountain or in the forest or on the ocean or wherever the case may be. Just draw your, your viewer into that photo a little bit more, and that just makes everything
0: way more dynamic. Absolutely so. And this kind of leads into our next point, Jamie, about uh, the gear that you may have to bring with you uh, in order to capture this kind of stuff. That photo, you, you know, you mentioned to me with no prompting, wow, I really enjoy that photo uh, from that mountain climb. I was just on my iPhone. I had my phone with me and I just pulled out and I took kind of a burst of images. It was it was a gorgeous scene with the clouds and the light and the rock. And I I knew I was going to make some good images from that uh, descent off the mountain there. But I didn't bring a camera that weighed five pounds or cost, you know, a few thousand dollars or even a couple hundred dollars. It was my phone, which, of course, is also a costly thing. But it's an item I already have and I already had with me and I didn't need to do any additional planning other than having the phone not tucked away in my backpack somewhere um you're going out for work also where you are carrying you know a full digital uh, dslr camera uh i think what it comes down to jamie and we joked that we're going to say this you know a bunch of times during the podcast today but it's true the best camera is the one that you have with you
1: Definitely, Jim. I think that's absolutely true. Whether it's, you know, an old digital camera or it's a fancy digital SLR or it's a film camera. I've got an old film camera that my grandfather gave me that I love going out with. Whatever you have, go out with that camera and make the best of it there. You don't have to have the nicest camera uh, available in order to get a good picture. Now, I will say that, you know, the iPhone, like you said, or the smartphone camera is great in most situations, and I think it's really good. I use it often when you've got really difficult lighting situations because the camera and the phone will automatically do some adjustments to make mm-hmm. the picture look a little better. Whereas if you're using an SLR, for example, you need to make some of those adjustments in Photoshop after the fact. So it's a little bit trickier, but I will say for the nicer, bigger cameras, they offer a bit more depth and a bit, a lot higher quality to the photos that you're taking. Um, the colors and the, the the contrast seem to really pop, and there's so much more you can do with them. So for me, I always have my iPhone in my pocket um, to take pictures. They're great for also, you know, pictures of flowers, macro lens kind of stuff. When you really want to get up close to something small, I usually have my SLR slung over my shoulder though to take most of my main pictures when I'm doing this for work. You know, and that brings up the question of keeping your gear safe, keeping your gear dry while you're hiking. I'm at the point now when I can hike with that thing over my shoulder, no problem. But, you know, a lot of times if it's rainy out or it's drizzly or it's cold, you have to worry about making sure you have um, some a bag you can throw your your camera into if you're going to need your hands or, you know, having a, a nice uh, microfiber lens cloth to clean off your lens if it starts to get foggy or wet, especially when taking pictures of waterfalls that's a big problem I've had before. Mm -hmm. Being in nature means there's a few more considerations you have to take when it comes to keeping your gear safe, keeping it dry, all of that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to have the fanciest gear available, of course, to make good images. I made an image that I'm really happy with, with my iPhone uh, on that climb recently. I also know that if I was toting my DSLR, I probably would have made an image that I liked even more. But you know, you can't bring everything with you on every outing and that's okay. And I'm satisfied uh, enough with the image that I made and pretty happy with it. And sure, I can't blow it up on the wall uh, maybe as big as I could a photo taken uh, with my DSLR, but so it goes. Jamie, all that said, in the event you do bring fancier gear with you, how do you take care of it and manage it during an outdoor excursion of some sort? I might not be the best person to answer that question
1: because <laughs> sure. I'm, you know, I, I'm very much like, I just like slinging my camera over my shoulder and bring in like a, a microfiber cloth. And that's pretty much where it ends with me. You know, a lot of people will bring tripods, especially if you want to get long exposure shots, which, um, you leave the shutter open a little bit longer and that's where you get, um, waterfalls or streams where the water looks kind of glassy and smooth. I've found that I, I don't necessarily need a tripod for that. I've made it work by putting my camera on a rock or on the rail of a bridge or really just squatting down and keeping really, really still. It works well enough. Nicer camera gear people can bring along to get um, some really high quality pictures. But you know, Jim, there's dirty little secret in all of this is that most people, the vast majority of people are going to be looking at these pictures on their phones. And when you take a really high quality picture and you shrink it down to the size of a phone screen, it looks about the same as a lower quality picture taken on your phone. Most people can't tell the difference. So I don't worry too much about getting the highest quality picture ever because let's be real, I'm not making a billboard out of these photos. I don't need to blow it up to the size of you know a building. Again, whatever kind of gear you have is the best. And if you really wanna work on some of that higher quality stuff, then yeah, then bring it and bring a nice bag, I would say, uh, like a camera bag or a backpack that, that supports camera gear and make sure that you keep everything safe and you have enough room in there to bring your other 10 essentials and your first aid kit and all of that. You really want to make sure that you're going on a photography trip, but you're also going hiking. And so you want to
0: make sure that you're taking care of your camera, but you're also taking care of yourself. And folks blend that really well. I mean, a, a lot of the images that we really enjoy and we see – on social media, or on billboards, or in magazines, or whatever it may be. You know, they were images that took a lot of work to create. But for the casual photographer, you don't have to tote a bunch of stuff. If you want a photo that you can put online, show your friends, send to your loved ones, you can get by with a pretty low-tech setup. If you can, of course, consider an amazing camera inside the phone that you already own to be low-tech.
1: You know, Jim, I I think some of the photos you do see in magazines and on billboards now are sometimes and maybe often pictures that people do just kind of take quick snaps of, you know, we're at the point now, again, where the technology in the phone is so good that it can be easy to take a really great photo with just really simple equipment. Again, it comes down to timing. You know, it comes down to being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. and keeping, I think, an awareness of... Of seeing that scene and knowing, oh, this is this is a really good picture to take right now mm-hmm. um, and following your instincts in that, and, you know, obviously a lot of people do a lot of really fabulous work that is done um, super professionally with a lot of gear and a lot of work goes into it. But we are in a point now in our society when the amateur photography now is becoming just as good, um, if not a lot of times better than stuff that that people put a lot of work into. Sure,
0: sure. I, I guess my point is, you know, you put someone who has more experience, more planning, more forethought into again to return to that mountainscape that I was talking about. You put someone with that skill level and pre-planning into that situation, and they're going to create an image that far surpasses the one that I made, but. Both are good in different ways and you Mm -hmm. both don't need to carry super, you know, exquisite gear on your trip to create a lasting, uh, meaningful image, nor do you have to go trade in your expensive photography equipment in the event that that's a passion of yours. I guess that's where I'm going with it. Yeah. And again, it's beauty is in the eye of the
1: beholder, right? I mean, some of the photos that I've taken, um, some of the ones that I've worked really hard on people will compliment and sometimes some of the ones that, came out of nowhere. I took on my phone. People will also compliment just as much. You know, I took one, uh like at a rest stop, just, I walked into the woods from a rest stop out in the Willamette Valley and it just happened to be great lighting. And one of our photographers at the Oregonian, Beth Nakamura came up to me afterwards and said, wow, I just love that picture you took. You know, it was just, it was like a painting. And I was like, thanks. It was something that. Like, literally,
0: I took on the side Mm -hmm. of a trail after stopping to pee, you know, (laughs) like it can be it can be that easy. And like you said, it's a matter of being at the right place in the right time. And, you know, your bathroom break, Jamie, was well-timed. Apparently so. (laughs) You talked earlier about kind of doing the work up front to create an image that is memorable. But also a lot of us come back to whether it's our phones when we're in the car and we're doing a little bit of editing or come back to our computers and actually spend a little bit more intense time going through our photos and doing some editing work there. I'm going to lean on you again with this one because you're more of a professional. Uh, What's your workflow like?
1: I'm a really big fan, Jim, of basic photo editing. Um, And I think that stems from my experience as a photo journalist where we're not, you know, ethically allowed to do extensive editing, Um, you know, basically. And my experience going back into the darkroom, learning how to be a film photographer and doing just really basic stuff there. um, I think we're kind of outside of the, you know, hashtag no filter era. And I think people <laughs> are embracing some real basic photo editing, which is wonderful, you know, um, because if we look back into the history of photography, photos were never not edited. You know, people are always doing work just to brighten it up a little bit, to boost the colors a little bit or boost the contrast here and there. The stuff that you have in the phone, um when you're taking pictures in your phone are great and they're super easy to use. And I think they do a great job. That little like magic wand button on the iPhone is like super simple. And I use that 90% of the time with just maybe some few edits here and there um, to boost the colors a little bit or make it a little more bright or to tamp down the highlights. You just look at the picture and you say, you know, you know could, could these shadows be a little bit brighter? Could the color be a little bit more? And just honestly, just play with it. And at a certain point, I've just developed sort of my own style of editing. And a lot of that work is something that I'll do on Photoshop on my laptop. Um, And there's a lot of similar kind of editing programs you can use. Photoshop is just what I find to be the most useful and what I have experience doing. Um, So there's, again, you've got really similar kind of basic editing tools that you have on your phone, contrast, brightness, shadows, highlights, hue, saturation, Um, these are the tools that I think you can use easily. Um, levels and curves. And if you're not familiar with these terms, I'd really recommend just going online, finding some photo communities or just some basic tutorials. And they'll walk you through doing some of these really basic steps. Some people will mess around with multiple exposures and, you know, that kind of stuff. I don't do that because as a photojournalist, I'm not allowed to do that. Um, but there's a lot of other ways you can get more advanced in it. But, to begin with i think you can just use some really basic editing steps and once you learn those they really take your photo from being you know just the normal straight out of the camera picture to
0: something that just pops a little bit more 100 percent for sure and we're going to talk a little bit more about nature photography and some of our favorite shoots right after a short break Okay folks, we are back talking about nature photography here. And Jamie, we've talked about this before. You go out and you're hiking for work and it's your job to come back with some really nice photos. What are some of your favorite shoots uh that you've done here for the Oregonian and Oregon Life? Oh man, I mean there's there's so many. I just I mean
1: I love just being out in nature taking pictures. Um it's I think my favorite thing to do. So Thinking back on it, though, there, there have been a few shoots that are just, I think, especially fun. The one that comes to mind first is the Ghost Forest out on the Oregon coast. I'm not sure if we've talked about this in the podcast before. I don't think we have. Um, the The Ghost Forest is um, a bunch of old stumps that are buried underneath the sand in Neskowin. And when the tide is low, a lot of the stumps are exposed to the air um, and people can walk around and see them. I went out there for the first time. Gosh, it must have been three years ago or so now. And I went out there in the morning of a super low tide in the summer. And it was just one of these situations where I walked up and there was this nice kind of faint mist rolling off the ocean, blocking out some of the sun a little bit. And there was this blue sky. Um, It was a really clear morning. And it was just so fun to walk around and get different kinds of pictures. So I was able to get kind of these bigger landscapes with a bunch of stumps or take pictures as the water was coming in from the tide and washing over the stumps or little detail shots of sea stars clinging in or barnacles on the edges. And as other people started walking around the stumps, I got some pictures too of the people with the stumps. And so there's just such a great variety of photos to take. And it was such a joy. I tapped into sort of my inner child Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of walked around and had fun with it, you know, and followed my curiosity of saying like, oh, cool, neat. There's a sea star. Let me go check that out. Or, wow, I love the way the mist is rolling off the hill. Let me get a picture of that. I think that's kind of the way to go is to really follow that inner child and follow that curiosity and allow that to lead you through it. You really find some, some great photos just doing that.
0: Well, I, I can tell just listening to the way you describe this. I mean, you're talking about it like this happened. Last week, and you can recall the photos <laughs> that you you made and the kind of scenes that you saw there, and photographing something that you're passionate about, that passion's probably going to, you know, bleed through into your images, right? Exactly, exactly. That's something that I I really try to make it a
1: point to do. When you put yourself into it, just like you said, Jim, it comes through, and people can see that. They can see the reverence you hold for nature or the, the joy you have in it. Um, it. There's something kind of, I don't know, magical about the connection you have with the camera and the connection that you have with the scene that you're looking at. And the camera in that way becomes kind of this um, translator of showing and bringing your joy and your experience to people around you. You know, you're not just capturing an image that sounds a little cold, but you're capturing a moment in time and you're a part of that, you know, as much as the stumps are, or as much as the ocean is, or the forest.
0: It's a really insightful way to look at it. I mean, it's clear that you really love what you do and you really revel in your opportunity to be part of that scene that you're portraying through your images. What's maybe, I don't know, one more, uh, while we're here that you've really enjoyed?
1: Yeah, you know, Silver Falls is one that I love getting pictures of. And it's something that a lot of people go to. Um, So, you know, photos of the waterfalls at Silver Falls are not necessarily um, unique by any stretch of the imagination in this area. Um, But if you go on like a cloudy day, especially when you get some really nice, even light in the waterfalls, there's so many ways to find to frame the waterfalls through branches or to, you know, if you bring a tripod along with you or just balance your camera on a rock, like we said, you can get some of those long exposures. You can get some quick exposures. You know, there's just so many ways to play around. It it really is like a playground, I think, for photography. That's when I love it the most, you know, when it feels like I'm a little kid and I'm going through a playground, but I just get to get all kinds of fun photos in different ways in a really beautiful spot. You know, and Jim, I this is something that I, you know, again, going back to the photo that we talked about that you took, that we talked about at the beginning here of uh three finger jack, I love that it there's just that sense of of sort of wonder and awe to it. And I can really tell, Jim, that that you really enjoy being there. And I can see sort of your approach to photography. So I'm curious What are a couple of photo shoots or experiences that you had that stick out in your mind?
0: Yeah, a couple immediately come to mind. And I'll say I used to bring my quote unquote good camera with me as much as I could. And you guys know the kinds of things I like to do. I like to climb and ski and do stuff like that. Go backpacking, whatever it may be. And oftentimes weight and space is at a premium. So I'll admit that I've stopped toting my DSLR a lot of the time. And I'm actually, I've been kicking around for a bit buying a smaller mirrorless camera or really like a good point and shoot. uh, That's maybe a couple rungs up from the iPhone photography. But a couple moments, I guess, more than shoots stand out to me. One I can think of was, geez, this was a a couple years ago now. Uh, I was out on a climb with a couple of my friends uh frank and michael two of my best friends and we decided to camp part way up mount hood on a, a attempt to summit the mountain and we climbed up starting at timberline lodge area and kind of made camp if you will between uh, the top of timberline ski area and the summit of mount hood and we set up our tents And we were hanging around or whatever it was. And you can see from that vantage point, kind of the lights of the metro area out in the distance. And, you know, I had my good camera, so to speak, and and so did Michael and maybe even Frank as well. We may have all three had good cameras, but kind of, you know, went out past our tent, kind of got down maybe on our knees or on fours or whatever, on our, you know, who knows, laying down in the snow and took kind of these nice photos of the tents with the city and the metro area lit up in the background. You can tell we're in this wild place. And where I'm going with all this, I guess, is I don't go out seeking a photo. Uh, That's just not something I usually do. I'm not there for work, but I'm seeking to capture these moments that are so special, the reasons that we go out there, whether that's the people we're with, the scenery that we're seeking, you know, visual proof that we made it to the top of something or whatever it may be. I'm trying to capture that feeling. Um, And I can look back on that photo of, you know, the tent or a couple of tents in, uh, in the snow, way high up on Mount Hood with the lights of the metro area in the background and think, whoa, that was a really, really cool moment.
1: I love that sentiment, Jim. I, I think a lot of us take photos for that reason, right? To be able to look back on them and remember um, these good times and to show us, you know, what these experiences had. It, it's great, especially when times are tough, you know, and especially like right now when we're, we're not going out as much, to be able to look back on some of these these pictures of past trips and to really uh, bring us joy in that way. It's important, I feel like, for people to think about why am I taking pictures and to allow that to guide how you take pictures and what you're taking pictures of. So, Jim, what's what's the other experience you had that um you're able now to look back fondly on because of the photos you took there?
0: It all comes back to the composite of all of these moments that are so special. And and I have a couple of photos on display in my house uh, that I've taken over the years and got printed. And those three photos, two of them were taken on a trip that I took by myself Uh, one year where I think it was a situation where I ended up with some days of PTO kind of nearing the end of the year where I'm like, well, got to use these and went on a, a solo road trip. I went from Portland, where I live, to Crater Lake, to Lake Tahoe. I went to Yosemite and Mount Shasta And came back up went to bend and came home to portland and did this all by myself you know i didn't have anyone uh with me at the time and i was able to on the first full day of that trip kind of get out to crater lake right as the sun was coming up and captured this really you know maybe not specifically special photo you know it's a scene that plays out every single day but just kind of a photo that i look back on and i'm like wow this is where i live and this is pretty spectacular and i kept going on my trip and taking more photos and the last place in california where i stayed kind of on the tail end of this road trip was uh the mount shasta area and i remember being up on the mountain and just being wowed by this sunset out into the distance and and was able to frame the sunset with a tree kind of in the foreground and the layers upon layers of mountains and hills in the distance. And those two photos are among three big ones that I've had printed that really stick with me. And uh, I look at all the time. And I have a third one from the North Cascades up in Washington that I've also had framed. And remembering those moments is really special. And just reveling in the fact that you know, wow, we're really lucky to be able to experience landscapes like this and to be able to go out and uh, kind of experience the beauty of the world so vividly.
1: I love that, Jim. And I really love that you printed those photos out and put them in your house. I think that that brings us to, I think the last piece of this, which is what do you do with your pictures once you've taken them? It's it can be really easy to sort of let them fall through the camera roll on your phone if you're taking them that way or to fall into a folder on the cloud somewhere. Um, I'm guilty of doing this a uh, lot. So, I mean, printing them out and putting them on your wall, Jim, like you said, is a, such a great way to not only sort of memorialize those moments, but to bring that beauty into your everyday life and to bring that experience into your home. One of the things that I did with some of my photos was to get them printed onto note cards. Oh, cool. So that whenever I need like a card for someone's birthday or for Mother's Day, or if I want to send someone a letter, which I do sometimes, I guess, I've got these note cards with my photos on them that I can share with people. Um, and I find that's a great way to sort of keep the photos alive as well. Whatever you do, I think having a way to make that photograph live on a little bit longer in your day to day life, it's a great way to keep that memory alive and to really just integrate it into your
0: your day-to-day existence. That's cool. This, this is going to inspire me to do another round of prints. It's about time and got so many photos, like you said, that end up in a folder somewhere uh, digitally that you're not looking at on the regular. And yeah, I'd like to get some of those printed and maybe give them to folks and obviously uh, keep some for myself as well yeah i've
1: got some like bare walls in my house that are just screaming out for (laughs) photographs and i know i've got like thousands i can pick from so i mean i love this jim this is inspiration for me as well to
0: print some of those out and just get them on the wall all All right right. we got to hold each other accountable we got to make this happen (laughs) absolutely all right well we're going to report back on that folks but until we do you can subscribe to peak northwest wherever you get your podcasts watch our videos on the oregonians youtube channel and of course Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot News. To find that great photo
1: that Jim took on Three Finger Jack, you can find it on that Instagram page of ours, Peak Northwest. Go check it out, folks. Until then, stay safe and happy travels. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 Seconds of Zen.